It is so good to be in the house of the Lord on this specific Sunday because tonight is Funeral Sunday. <laughs> if you're joining us online, maybe even before I get into the Word tonight, tonight is Baptism Night and if you're at home and you're around this proximity of, of our church, won't you come if you've never been baptized? Come be baptized. Can I just see by a show of hands who is being baptized tonight? Can we appreciate them? Can we just appreciate them tonight? We are super excited to see what God is going to do tonight and forevermore. After tonight, tomorrow, so on and so forth. Family, good evening. What an honor it is tonight to share the Word of God. And what an honor it is tonight to stand before you and just present what God has shared and laid on my heart tonight. And I pray that it will be something that will be transformational, that it will, it, will, it, will, it will speak to our hearts. But I want to encourage you that even as we get into the Word, won't you just open up your hearts and receive what God wants to do tonight. If you're watching online, open up your hearts. God wants to drop something in our spirits tonight. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. So tonight, um, I'm, I'm just a little bit emotional because even as I was preparing this Word and I was just spending time with the Word, in, in the Word and with the Lord, I, I just became so aware of this great miracle called salvation. I think sometimes we, we don't put enough emphasis on it. I think sometimes it's a, it's a quick bypass. It's as if it's a, it's a byproduct, but it's a miracle in itself because then we begin to understand exactly what we have inherited. We begin to understand exactly what the exchange was. I think sometimes when I sit back and I look at my life and I look at what the exchange was, I had nothing to offer the Lord. I really had nothing to offer the Lord but my life. And he said, listen, give, an, give me your life just as it is. I was broken, messed up, in sin, although we grew up in the church. And he just said, come, let's make that exchange. Come take my burden, come take my yoke, it's lighter. Come be a child of God, come be my follower. As it said to Peter and Andrew and James and John and all the disciples say, come follow me. Come follow me. Are we excited tonight, church? Yeah. As we speak about salvation tonight, I think one of the things that we mentioned in the past few weeks is that salvation is not the end goal. It's a greatest miracle because what it does is that, is that it, it redeems us. When we are saved, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we are redeemed to the Father. But however, it is not the end goal. And I think I said it before that there is a point that we need to get to. And to be quite frank and to be honest, to get to that point is not always easy. In fact, it is not easy. Because sometimes we come to church and having the privilege to lead the young people in this church, I see how many times we, we get stuck in this, in this process of repentance and going back to what we know and come back to repentance and going back to what we know and come back to repentance. And we never get to the point where we begin to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. Because that is the point. That is the point. The point is not to come to church only and cry as a Lord, this time I'm sorry. You know, I was so, I was so struck by some, something I read the other day. It says, the Lord is not looking for remorse. He's looking for repentance. Repentance being a total change. That if I'm going this direction and I say, Father, I repent. I am changing direction and I'm going the opposite direction. It's not a 360 turn. Some of us treat salvation like a, or repentance rather, like a 360 degree turn. But it's not, it's a 180 degree turn. Meaning that we change direction. If I was going north, then I need to be going south. But many of us, what we do is that we do a 360 turn and all that is left is just remorse. And we just say, Father, we're sorry. We're sorry, we're sorry. Family, I've been there many times growing up as a young person and growing up in my walk with Christ. Many times we have messed up and I came back and I said, I'm sorry. And I went back and I came back and I said, I'm sorry. 
And unfortunately, it does become a vicious cycle, like I've said before. It does become a vicious cycle. However, tonight, family, I want to speak a little bit about, maybe before I get there, in, in, in speaking about salvation and speaking about the point that we want to get to, I like the scripture where Paul says the following. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 14, Paul says the following. He says, but whatever former things were gains to me, as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as a loss for the sake of Christ. But more than that, I count everything as a loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with Him, a joy unequal. This is the, the amplified version. Continues to say, for His sake, I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, believing and relying on Him, not having any righteousness of my own derived from my obedience to the laws and its rituals, but that which comes from or through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And this, so that I may know Him. I just quickly want to jump a few verses. So Paul is saying basically that we need to strive to look more and more like Jesus. And in verse 12, he says this. He says, I do not consider that I have made it, but in, I have not considered that I have made it my own yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So Paul says, listen, there's so many things in my past that I consider to be um, the most valuable things, the things that I would die for, things that I kept as treasure close to my heart, but I've found the treasure of all treasures. And my goal is that I want to look like Him and therefore I will press on. I will continue to walk pressing on towards the mark of the high calling, which is to look like Jesus. Amen. And what I, what I want to speak about tonight is the following, is that in our journey with Christ, in our journey as, as Christians, there's so, many, there's so many hindrances, challenges, potholes, we can call them, but obstacles that we run into. And it does not make being a Christ follower any easier. I always say to the young people that being a Christian is not easy. First and foremost, you don't live by, faith, by sight. You have to live by faith. That in itself is not easy. That in itself is not easy to be able to believe and see something that's not there. To follow something, someone that is not there physically. So we, 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 we bump into many obstacles and tonight I want to title or I want to name these obstacles and things that we go through as wilderness seasons. And I want to speak a bit about wilderness seasons. I want to speak about how we get into seasons where it, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. But the good news is this, that even as we be, speak about wilderness seasons, we can be confident that we are not alone in it. Even as we consider Christianity not to be as easy as we say, and we know that there's obstacles and challenges and trials and tribulations and all of that, we are not alone in it. But that the Lord has given us His, His precious Spirit to be with us, to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our lead. Amen. A life led by the Spirit of God is a life worth living. I want to repeat that. A life led by the Spirit of God is a life worth living. There is nothing better than that. Because listen, my own intelligence, my own strength, my own devotion, my own whatever, there's no answer within this person. There's no answer within me, but there's an answer in Jesus. And Holy Spirit will continuously lead us to that place. Amen. A life lived or a life led by the Spirit is a life well Oh, yeah, I forgot what I said now. But anyway, um, 
One of the things that Paul speaks about is the pressing onto the mark of the high calling. And like I said, we find ourselves sometimes in spaces where it feels like a wilderness. When I say the word wilderness, what comes to your mind? What do you think about? Do you, do you perhaps picture yourself walking alone through a dark, overgrown forest, bush, you know, surrounded by, by animals? Let me tell you just a quick story. I love telling stories. People say I'm a, I should be a comedian and not a preacher. Um, but one, one of the days somewhere last year, my friends and I, I think we also did it this year somewhere. My friends and I loved to go get game driving. And we love to go to Dunuk Game because it's, it's really around the corner. And we do a self game drive. Anybody ever been on a self game drive? Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we are there. We got there early because we want to see the lions. And I remember this, this one specific time we wanted to go see the lions. And we went there 5 a.m. We were there just to see lions, okay? We've seen them in the zoo and that is not enough. We want to see them in the wild. We want to see them in their natural habitat, okay? And there we are, we drove in the morning, we get there, we pay the monies, we get into our car, thank God for, 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 for the option of uh, self-game drive because they are a bit expensive. But then we start on our, on our route. I learned how to read a map that day, actually, that was amazing, okay? And, and as we're driving, we're driving, we're driving, and it is so amazing because now you're driving literally at the speed of 10 and you're just taking it all in and you're seeing all the animals and all the bugs, the spring bugs, the bliss bugs, the chems bugs, and all the blow wildebeest. And, and, and it's just amazing just to see the splendor of God just splashed out through nature, you know, and we're just driving, and obviously after a certain time, you get tired of seeing um, the Blowville, the Pierce, and the Springback, and the Impala. You want to see now the Big Five. Now we're chasing the Big Five. And I remember we got to a place there by the Nuking, and as we get there, it's a big dam. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a big dam. And as we're sitting by the big dam, we see a, a, <laughs> a board that says, do not alight vehicle. That was the first time in my life reading the word alight. Anybody knows what alight means, right? I got there and I'm like, hmm, do not alight vehicle. You know, I put my car on fire, but that's not the point. The point is they were sending a message to us to say, listen, don't get out of your car. Why? There's wild animals. Listen, you are in the wild. It's, it's not your mother's backyard. This is the wild. Do not get out of your car. Your life will be in danger. You will feel unprotected. You will feel, it was so, it was so funny that even when we went to the restrooms, it's like you want to run there because you're aware of your surrounding and you're aware that, listen, what if a lion comes now? We came to see the lions, but what if a lion comes now? I'm out of the car, okay? I've alighted the car. A light means to, to come out of your vehicle, for those who did not know. And I was thinking about this particular story and I was thinking about that particular day and I'm like, you know what? Sometimes that's what wilderness seasons look like. Where it feels like we've gotten out of the car and we're vulnerable to attacks. We are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. It feels like I'm unprotected. It feels like, oh my goodness, well, anything can happen right now. And right there in the middle of the Nukeng, in the middle of that big game reserve, I'm thinking to myself, imagine if somebody would just steal my car and now I had to run back to the gate. That would be an absolute disaster. It would be, but I would, I don't know. Maybe I would have ended up being lunch or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> But the type of wilderness that I want to speak about, it's not the one like at the Nukeng. But that's an analogy that I want to use to say, sometimes in our lives we walk through different kinds of wildernesses where it actually feels like, or rather we, we get to a place where 
we are afraid. We are confused. We feel unprotected. We feel vulnerable. Physical wildernesses that we go through where you, you feel like, I don't know what's happening. I don't have control over my life. I, I can't pinpoint what's wrong, but I can't pinpoint also what's right. I'm just in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what's about to happen. Anybody ever been on, in that place? Amen. I've been in that place. I think many of us have been in that place. Here's the thing about wilderness seasons is that no matter how and why we find ourselves there, we always need to understand that one way or another, we will get out. We will get out. Perhaps maybe we can go through them wandering on our own. But there's another option. We can go through wildernesses, wildernesses, wildernesses. Okay. We can go through them with Holy Spirit. Sometimes those are the times, and, I, and I'm going to come to that point later on. But sometimes those are the times where we, we feel like we don't even feel Holy Spirit. We don't feel His presence. But the good news is, even in that season of wilderness, we are not alone. We are not alone. The psalmist says this, David, in Psalm 119, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we count on God to be our source of vision and direction, even the most challenging seasons can provide an opportunity for us to grow, learn, and deepen our trust in Him. You see, wilderness seasons come. And when they come, it becomes an opportunity for us to mature. I want to give you a definition of wilderness as per the dictionary. It says, a wilderness is an uncultivated, uninhabited, and an inhospitable region. Uncultivated, uninhabited, and inhospitable region. No wonder when we go through wildernesses, it feels like we're alone. No wonder when we go through those seasons of wilderness, dry seasons, it feels like we will never come out. No wonder when we go through the seasons, it feels like the best thing to do is just to give up. The Bible speaks about wilderness um, as a place of refining and a place of preparation as we cooperate with God, as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So the wilderness can be at a, a, a place where we give up, we are discouraged, we are dismayed, or a wilderness can be something that can um, be a form of refining and preparation that God does in us. Amen? Amen. How many of us know that there's a saying that says that what doesn't kill you <laughs> makes you stronger? The things that we go through, the wildernesses that we find ourselves in, Whenever we come up, Pastor Kiaba said it last week, he said that whenever you come out of a wilderness season, make sure that you come out powerful. But it will take a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It will take a cooperation with God because when God is in the midst of it, He will use it for our good. Amen. Refining is never an easy thing. Shaping and molding it's never an easy process to go through. Refining is generally defined as a process of removing impurities and unwanted elements from a substance. And preparation is an action that makes us ready for what is ahead. Pastor Stefan said, I must not do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. When you think about seasons and you think about how for, for, for the winter to come, as the winter comes in, and in autumn, we see how the leaves begin to fall off the trees. 
And sometimes we despise that season. Like, ah, it looks like it's dying. Oh no, it looks like it's dying. But it has to go through that season so that when the season for it to come and grow again and to bloom again and to blossom again, that it is prepared. Amen. And sometimes we despise wilderness seasons where God prunes us, removes the impurities, removes the things that shouldn't be there in our lives. Preparing us for what's to come. I was listening to a teaching Pastor Milani sent it to us and at first I was like so reluctant. I was like, oh, Pastor Milani, please. I'm listening to a lot of teachings already, but this teaching wrecked me. And this lady was um, Kane, Pastor Kay, I forgot her name now, but Christine Kane. And she was likening it to a, to a, you know, in the olden times, we didn't have digital cameras, but we had these old cameras that used film. And you would take a picture and the amazing thing in that time is that you'd be so excited about a picture that you did not even see how it came out. Nowadays, you can review the picture and feel like, okay, cool, let's redo it. I want to do another pose. Or Back in the day, especially if you had the, the printer, there was something else, you know. But back, back in the day, you, we didn't have any of that. You actually had to take a picture. And after taking the picture, you had to take the film, okay, for all the Gen Zs. You had to take the film out of the camera, take it to Kodak, okay, give it in, wait two weeks, okay, for your photos, be excited for photos that you did not see, hoping and trusting that that photo is going to be the one that you want and you like. Some of us even went to the extent of buying photo frames for a photo that we did not see. It's like, yeah, you know, when those photos come, this photo frame, let's buy it, you know. And, and he, she spoke about how it's amazing. She spoke about how when they develop that photo, the process of developing that photo is quite a significant one. Because as they develop that photo, it's so sensitive that anything, light or whatever that comes out of balance can ruin the photo. And what is amazing that I also took from their teaching is that it's amazing how they took, you, you receive the photo, the full picture from what we called negatives. Yes. That's right. So the process would turn the negative into a desirable photo that you can use. So what stops God from using the negatives and using the wildernesses to draw a picture, to prepare us for what He has in store for us. My God, we should not despise the negatives. We should not despise the wilderness because it's a season of preparation. And here's the thing, this, 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 you know, growing up, you hear a lot of things, you hear a lot of teachings and they build you. And as you read the Word of God and the Word of God confirms it, it's even more amazing. You know, the one time I was thinking to myself that imagine baking a cake. And the cake, you, 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 you get all the ingredients, all the different ingredients. After getting all the different ingredients, you mix them, your eggs, your flour, your butter, or I don't know if it's margarine or butter, the difference, you know. Uh, however you, you do it and you, you put in whatever, whatever, baking soda, no baking powder, so I don't know, but anyway, I'm not a baker, okay. But from there, after molding the, the, the cake and shaping it and everything and whatever, the cake needs to go into the oven. And during that oven season of the cake, that is the time that the cake needs to endure the hardest of pressures, the hardest of heat, but here's the amazing thing, is that when we're done with that cake and the oven goes ting, and you take the cake out of the oven and you place it there to cool down and you put your frosting and your icing and your whatever, and you put the cherry on top, the cake can be enjoyed. But here's the amazing thing, is that if the cake does not endure the heat of the oven, we will never have cake. 
We will never have cake. If we don't endure the pressures and the heat and everything that comes in the wilderness season, the world can never enjoy us. I like saying this and I'm convinced of it, that my life is not my own. Your life does not belong to you. We are kingdom people. Your life belongs to the King of Kings. And sometimes, as much as we want to enjoy the cake, the Lord wants to display us and use us in His kingdom and say, yes, you've been through it. You've been molded. You've been shaped. Your character has been formed. You are ready. People can enjoy you. The body of Christ can enjoy you. Amen. Wilderness seasons are important. I used to despise them. I, I told my niece the other day that I love to preach about things that I've went through because then I know what I'm talking about. And wilderness places have indeed formed me and shaped me. And there were times in my life where I felt like, oh Lord, no, this can't be it. This is not what I signed up for. There are times in my life where I felt like, I think I need to reconsider. I think following Jesus is not what they promised me. And I think it comes with a problem that sometimes as preachers, we overemphasize the benefits. And we undersell the wilderness. So much so that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we want to retreat. Other benefits, for sure. Other rewards, for sure. But even in any race that you can think about, any person who, who runs a race or long distance or whatever, they will tell you about endurance, perseverance. There's something about wilderness places that matures us. Wilderness places are so important that Jesus on one occasion, after being baptized, to all the people that's being baptized, this is coming your way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't be scared now and don't want to be baptized. But Jesus was baptized. We read it in the book of Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, where John the, bapti uh, the baptized, the baptist, <laughs> he, he, he baptizes Jesus. And we see how the, the, there's a voice that comes from the heavens and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and delighted. And at that moment, it feels like, wow, I want that. Imagine God saying that about me. This is my beloved son. I mean, he says it. He said it before I was even born. This is my beloved son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Ah, thank you, Jesus. But here's the thing, is that if you stop reading the scripture at Matthew chapter 3, you're not going to get to the next chapter where it says, and then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4 says, then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had gone, out, after he had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And there the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus replied and said, It is written, and forever remains written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or that comes from out from the mouth of the Father, the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into a holy city, Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle, highest point of the temple and say mockingly to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to serve, care for, protect, and watch over you. 
And the honest truth while I stop there is that many of us, that's what we want to see in our salvation. That's what we want to see in our walk with Christ. It's just a smooth sailing. I used to think like that. I remember I would get sick and I'd feel like, no, impossible. I'm Christian. But anyway, to serve, to care for, protect, watch and over you. And they will lift you up with their hand, on their hands so that you will not strike your, fo- your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written and forever remains written. You shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory splendor in magnificence and excellence of them and said if you bow down obviously we know the rest of the scripture where it says if you bow down then this will all be yours so Jesus himself is taken to a wilderness a season where his identity gets questioned where his identity gets challenged that if you are the son of God and Jesus is so firm in his identity and so sure and confident in his identity that his responses show it. But the problem is that as Christians, sometimes we are not so sure about who we are that when we get into the places where the enemy challenges our identity, we shake and we shiver. We get so uncertain about who we are that when the enemy says, <laughs> you call yourself a child of God, but look, your life is not going right. You say God cares about you. Your marriage is breaking. You say God cares about you. Your children are wild. You say God cares about you. Your finances are not reflecting it. You say God cares about you, but look, you're constantly sick. And in that, He challenges our identity in Christ. And as he challenges it, the sad part is that sometimes we entertain it. And we begin to ask ourselves, am I really? Am I really? I remember many times the enemy came and said, Given, you think you can do this? Who do you think you are? There are times where I said, shut up. And there are times where it got to me. And I began to question, Lord, am I really the one you've called? Am I really the one that you've chosen for a time such as this? And it is until I learned and made a decision to say, this is who I am. And I will not get um, shaken, nor get um, dismayed, nor get lose focus rather on who I am in Christ. Whether it's good whether it's bad, whether it's raining, whether the sun is out, it doesn't matter. I am a child of God. I am who He says I am. I am who He says I am. Whether I've got finances or not, whether I've got bread or not, whether my marriage is okay or not, whether my children are thriving and striving, whatever, it's not who I am, or rather who I am is not dependent on the things that happen in my life, but who I am is dependent on who God said I am. He said, I am His child. There's many processes in the, throughout Scripture actually that we see of examples of wilderness seasons. And I quickly want to go through um, them because I need to come in for a landing because we've got an awesome funeral service afterwards. In the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we see, with, we see Abraham where he's taken through a time where he needed to trust God. That's right. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. As Abraham left behind the security of everything he knew and headed into an unknown His trust in God needed to grow. God used every challenge Abraham faced to strengthen him as he led his own family and to prepare him to lead a whole nation that was to come. He says, leave 
what you know. Leave your security. Go to this place that you do not know. But trust me. Trust me. There is a process that I'm starting that will get you to a place where I want you to be. Another place that we see King David. King David, before he became king, he, he was constantly in a place where he would wrestle bears and wrestle lions. He was just an ordinary young shepherd who tended his father's flock in the wilderness. Now, if we look at that season of his life, we see that it was there that he learned to connect intimately with God. It was not in the fame. It was not in the all is good. It was not in the kingship that he became intimate with God. It was in the wilderness where he fought and wrestled base that he became and learned to become and connect with God intimately. It was there that he learned to put away self-sufficiency, to say, I cannot depend on myself and recognize God as the one who was more than enough to see him through every test. This became very evident later as he prepared to face Goliath. Acknowledging God's part in his past victories, David proclaimed, and we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. He proclaimed and he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bay, he will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. That knowledge that strength, that confidence as you stood in front of Goliath to say, listen, I will kill you and I will cut down your head and I will serve it on a silver platter. That confidence did not come from his anointing as king. It did not come when Samuel said, David, you've been chosen by God to be king. But that confidence comes from the times when he was in the wilderness, tending to his father's flock, saying, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bay. He will deliver me from this Philistine. Hundreds of years later, after the life of David, then came Jesus. And in Jesus, we see that whole story about him being in the wilderness. Wildernesses in our lives it, it, it can be easy to look at a wilderness as a place of pain and not a place of process. And that's the thing that we do as believers is that we see wildernesses as places of pain and not a place of process. There was one time Pastor, uh, Pastor Eric preached this and he said, you know, we, it's often appreciated when we preach that God is the God who calms storms but it's never embraced when we say God is the God who can bring storms God is a God who can bring storms we love to, 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 to just dwell on the, on the good part but here's the thing, the storms that He allows in our lives are not wildernesses of, play, of pain or places of pain, but they are places of process. He wants to build something in us. He wants to mature something in us. When we are in the midst of it, we might think, I don't want to be here, like we say, or I am not supposed to be here. Sometimes we can even become so entitled as Christians that when those seasons come, we can say, I am not supposed to be here. And just like Israel began to complain, we may be tempted to complain and feel like giving up. You see, the Israelites were in Egypt. And we know the whole story. I'm not going to read it or no, not reference it. But what I want to reference is the part where after they've been... Um, 
taken out of Egypt and God has safely taken them out, to, out of Egypt, they found themselves in a, in, a, in a desert place, in a wilderness for a couple of time. And here's the thing is that while they were there, they did not understand the process. They had not seen the promised land, nor had God spoken to them directly. He spoke to them through a servant. But they are there and because they have become entitled to say, no, we don't deserve to be in the desert. We don't deserve to be in the wilderness. What they did is they began to complain and they began to say, we were better off as slaves. We were better off as slaves. How many of us have heard people say, you know what? I can't cope anymore, so I'm going to resort to alcohol because that's what I used to do and it really hit the spot. It really gave me that feeling that I needed. How many of us have heard people say, you know what? When, 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 uh, when things got bad, I defaulted to what I know. I defaulted to my old life. I still kind of like did hold on to Jesus, but I defaulted to my own life. We sang all year, earlier on tonight, we're singing, He took me out of Egypt and took me to the promised land. And some of us, so close to the promised land, we're like, no, Egypt was better. Just because it's a wilderness, just because it seems dry, just it's because it seems like God is not there. Then we turn back and we say, it was better there. I might have been a slave, but at least I had food. So now I'm comparing the pleasures, temporal pleasures, temporary pleasures for an eternal promise. I'm comparing it because in the midst of the wilderness, it looks like that's better. And that's what the, 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 the Israelites did, is that God had so much better for them. Land flowing with milk and honey. But they thought to themselves, that we can't endure this season. Therefore, take us back. That's absurd. That's absurd. Family, may we never become like the Israelites, that when we find ourselves in processes where God is doing something, that we give up on God and we give up on ourselves and we lose sight of the promise that God has on our lives and we resort back to what God has delivered us from. May we know that in that season, He's still there. Holy Spirit is there. Numbers chapter 14 verse 2 says, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Verse 4 continues, And they said to each other, We should, chose, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. If I was there, I was going to say, you are a fool. Okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Numbers 14 verse 2 says, And all the children of, Israelite, of Israel complained against Moses. I've already read that. My apologies. We should choose a leader and go, uh, go back to Egypt. And, and here's the thing. Israel was willing to go back to slavery, to bondage, and to death, rather than put their trust in God's perfect plan and allow Holy Spirit to lead them throughout the, out of the wilderness. They may have gotten out of Egypt and it's a famous saying, but they still needed to get Egypt out of them. Like them, we sometimes tend to see wilderness seasons. Yo, when the Lord said this to me, I was like, ah, oh, Lord. So it's important for us to renew our minds daily. Lord says, given sometimes we tend to see wilderness seasons as our final destination. And we get to a wilderness season and we camp there because we can't see the promise. And we lose sight of God and we lose sight of Jesus and we lose sight of what the Lord is doing. And we just say, Lord, this is it. This is it. So many people who became subject to suicide because they felt that the wilderness season 
is the final destination. They couldn't see anything further than that. They couldn't see a way out. And they treated it as a final destination. And if you treat it as a final destination, it will break you because you lose all hope. Let's not treat our wilderness seasons as a final destination, but let's treat it as a process that God is taking us to something better. A process that God is maturing us, strengthening us, shaping and molding our character into that which will look more and more like Jesus so that we can endure all things afterwards. Here's the thing. No matter how long you've been a believer, you can be saved for 80 years. Anybody say for 80 years? Okay, nobody. Maybe online somebody say for 80 years. Anybody say for more than 20 years? Veterans in the faith. Anybody say for more than 30 years? Amen. But it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. And I think our family that has been saved for more than 30 years, 40 years, can attest that a wilderness journey is neither easy nor glamorous. It is not pretty. You will face trials. You will be tested. You will face giants. You will face oppo opposition. Just as the enemy tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he wants to derail you from the plans of God. So you will face these things. At times, you might even find yourself wanting God to miraculously remove you from the situation you are in and take you back to where you came from, like we say. You know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh and God says, I will not remove it. I won't remove it. Sometimes, here's the thing, is that God doesn't promise. That, I, I don't know, maybe I stand under correction, but there's no way in Scripture where I read that God says He will take us out of a, a problem. But many times I see in Scripture how the Lord points us to the fact that He will strengthen us. He will strengthen us to go through all of these things. He never took the boys out of the fire. He went and was with them in the fire. He never took Daniel out of the den. He went to be with Daniel in the den. He won't take you out of your wilderness, but He will be with you in your, in your wilderness. Amen. We serve a good God. But He wants to take us through a process that will make us look more and more like Jesus. More and more like Jesus. And looking more and more like Jesus, it's not just being sinless and all of that. But if you read about the life of Jesus, you see how Jesus was a man who says, I'm about my father's business. I do what I see my father doing or I, I say what I hear my father say. He was intimate with Abba. And God wants us in that place. James chapter 1, the scripture that I always laugh at every time, reminds us to count it all joy when we fall into trials of many kinds knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. So keep your faith in God and allow Him to accomplish His work in you during the season of wilderness. Allow Him to make you new in the attitude of your mind so that your thoughts may line up with His thoughts and His plans becomes your plans. Let your faith produce patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. You know, growing up, one of the things that our parents used to do is that if I fell and I bruised myself, oh, I got bruised. Well, I wouldn't bruise myself. That, that sounds wrong. If I fall, and I, I get bruised. My mom would always say, it wasn't, just, it wasn't my mom, it was my sister who always said to me that, listen, you're growing up. 
But it hurts. Now you're growing up. When a baby is teething, is it pleasurable for the baby? I don't think so. Otherwise, they wouldn't be crying, they'd be laughing. But it's growing pains. It's growing pains. We would grow up, we, were, we had brothers, and we would fight and we would do all those things and one of us would get hurt or the one injured the other. Or rather, let me tell you this, this, this particular incident and, and I want to come in for a close. Again, that's something Pastor Stefan said I shouldn't do. <laughs> Say that I'm coming in for a close because I'm going to speak for another 30 minutes. But I remember there was a time I was riding on my bike and back in the day, BMXs were the thing. So I had a BMX, my mom bought me a BMX, but boys being boys, I can't remember what we did to the brakes. And that day I was riding so fast and I had a brake failure. And I don't know why, but in my mind, I found it. Thank you, Pastor Charmaine, logical. To aim for the wall, because then I will definitely stop. But I did not anticipate that as I hit the wall with the wheel, with the front wheel first, the bike would flip up with me hitting the wall face first. And at home we've got face brick, if I can put it that way. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't cement or plastic. It was just bricks. And I remember I hit it with my face and I cried for my mom. And she came out and she laughed at me. And she said, you're growing. Because now you will know not to do what you did. Now you know what not to do what you did. Growing pains. Wildernesses bring us into processes where we grow, where we become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. As you embrace the wilderness, Stay close to Holy Spirit. Don't despise the wilderness. Embrace it. But know that in your wilderness, you're not alone. Because Holy Spirit will lead you step by step. Back in the day when I first started coming to, to Empower Church and I did Bible school, I learned a phrase, soon enter Lambonai. That he, he comes alongside you. Holy Spirit is alongside you. He gets into the pit with you. He comes into your situation. And He leads you out. What a process. That He will come alongside me. He will come into my situation. And then lead me out of it. But if I despise wildernesses, I reject the work of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Holy Spirit was essentially sent to help us in this process of becoming more and more like Christ. Family, I want to close with this and I want us to respond tonight. Few things that I've learned that I've seen in my own life about wilderness seasons or the way I, I identified wilderness seasons in my life is when I begin to see a lack of breakthrough in my life. When I pray for something over and over again and it's just not happening, sometimes I say to the Lord, like, Lord, I know what your word says. And here's the thing, is that we stand on the promises of God, not just on our desires. I don't just stand on my desire, but I stand on the promise of God and I say, Lord, this is what your word says. This is what you said. Why is it not happening? And when I begin to see lack of breakthrough in my life, I begin to say, Lord, if this is a begin, if this is a process of my faith being tested, then I pray that may I endure it 
and persevere through the power of Christ and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's easy to stop praying for it. It's easy to just say, you know what? It's fine. Maybe it's not God's will. For the sake of time, something else is that I see many trials of faith. When things happen one after the other, after the other, and I just see that, oh my goodness, what is happening? It's like a train of tests. And again, I'm like, Father, I lean into you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Be the one who leads me in this, in this season. Sometimes we, we even encounter spiritual dryness, if I can put it like that, where it feels like the Father is far away from us. Where it feels like I'm praying, but the, the prayers are just hitting the ceiling. They're not penetrating to the heavens, so they're not getting to God's ear. It feels like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know. When I begin to feel, and, and this more, I just wanted to make mention of this few because of time. But when I begin to see signs of wilderness places, when I begin to see signs of processes that God wants to take me through, that is the perfect opportunity to say, Lord, your power is made perfect in my weakness. May your spirit be the one that guides me and leads me out of this season. Family, we will endure testing times. We have, and for as long as we're on this earth, we will continue to endure those times. However, the point I wanted to bring across is that we're not alone in it. The point I wanted to bring across is that there is a God who has orchestrated everything, who has planned every single moment of our lives, things that He allowed in our lives, that He will deliver us from, that He will help us out of. He will, might, might not remove us immediately out of those places, but He will give us strength to go through it. But what is more amazing is that He gave us His Spirit. And sometimes we undervalue Holy Spirit. We reduce Him to a feeling we get goosebumps when I get slain under the Spirit. And we undervalue the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's allow Holy Spirit to fulfill His function by allowing Him to be the one who leads our lives. Again, I repeat, I say, a life led by the Spirit is a life worth living. Because whenever you enter seasons, whether bad or good, He's there. He's your number one response. And I want to leave us with this tonight and maybe make a call. That if you find yourself in a wilderness season and you're at a place where you want to give up, you've been praying, you've been trying so hard to see beyond it. I'd like us to perhaps maybe stand because of time. It would have been amazing to, to lay hands and to minister to everybody. But we have a baptism service that's coming. And perhaps maybe if that's you tonight, and if that's you online, won't you just stand? And I just want to trust God with you. There will be a sense of refreshing in your life. And there will be a sense of hope that will come back to say this is not the final destination. But this is a process that I'm going through and I will come out on the other side. Amen. If that's you tonight, won't you just stand? Let's just stand. God wants to remind you tonight.
of the plan that He has for you. Just going to give it another five seconds or so. If that's you tonight, won't you respond and stand for us? And I want to ask just the people around them, if you can go, just go and lay hands on them.